It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into the podcast for this Thursday. I am Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Chad Brendel from Bearcat Journal and Rick Broering from Musketeer Report. Let's, uh, let's start with Xavier. Obviously a big game for UC tonight we're going to touch on with, with SMU, and uh, we've got a couple other topics at, at hand. It, it, there's no doubt the margin leaves people questioning what in the world goes wrong. At the end of the day, Rick, it is one game, and really it disintegrated from about, what, the two-minute mark of the first half through the second half. It was a bad 22-minute stretch of basketball. But this happens to teams in conference play and, and, and from time to time in the course of a season, and it means it sometimes means nothing come March. Yeah, I mean, well, it's happened to Xavier at least three out of the four years they've been in the Big East, and really the, the, the other year was a blowout, too. They just made it look a little bit more respectable by the end of the game. Um, and then they've gone into varying levels of success after that. So it's not, it hasn't been any type of predictor of what's to come for this team. It hasn't been any type of good indicator. What it is clear is that Xavier has a mental hurdle of playing at the Pavilion. It's You know, right. you talk about it sometimes with high school, local high school teams, like when local teams go to play Covcath, it's, they're, not, they're not trying to beat the talent Covcath has. They're trying to beat the front of the jersey Correct. and everything that goes with playing inside Covcath with their students. It's the same thing for Xavier right now at the Pavilion. It's it's in their head. They know it is. And then when things go bad, it quickly kind of deteriorates for them. They can't make a shot. Um, the first several minutes, I thought they played well. The one big question I'll have for, you know, kind of with Chris Mack in, in this one is JP picked up two early fouls. JP McCure started off really hot and then got two fouls within the first three minutes. You have Miles Davis back now. He still opted to take him out for a good portion of the first half. They really started struggling offensively, tried to put him in for the last couple minutes. It was gone. He wasn't hot anymore, wasn't able to get back going again. I wonder going forward, now that you have Miles Davis back, and especially with the type of players you have with JP, Trayvon, Edmund to an extent that way, Miles is definitely that way, they're streak guys. They're guys that when they get that momentum rolling, they start hitting a few, they can hit four or five of them, and a half even. Um, do you maybe start... Now that you have Miles back, you have a little bit more depth at guard, and you have such interchangeable pieces at the guard. Let him play through. Do you? Just, do, hey, he's hot. We're well, on the road, and, and and if he's going to make three threes right now, we need him now. And I should know this. I don't. Does he have a pretty hard, fast rule of two fouls in the first half and sit? It's not for the rest of the half necessarily, but like he almost all. I mean, if you get two early fouls, he's yeah, definitely well, yeah, going okay. to. Okay. And and. To so some coaches, I, I, some coaches go with the two fouls. Nick, if you get two, you said. I, I, I'm the same way. I mean, I do the same thing, and, I, and it, it's very rare while I'll leave somebody in with two fouls in the first half. It's probably a, honestly, I don't know why that mindset is what it's it is. Because you, you, you do have five to play with, but it's a coach thing. It's very, it's always been weird to me. I think that's overdoing it to begin with. But I, I give him more credit when look, you didn't have another guard to back up. Right. Like you only had Quentin Gooden that was going to come in off the bench. Now that you have Miles Davis, you have a clear extra. That if that third does occur, you got, right, you you've can, got somebody to go. You're going to be able to play with three other guards the whole game. Now, to play devil's advocate, though, you do have that depth in, in, in theory. That would make me even lean more to say when you get two fouls, you're coming out. Yeah, I, I mean, again, I'm talking about this team specifically. Yeah, I, know. I feel and, like and especially, especially with a guy like JP, on a and somebody who's on you're a roll. on the road. Right. He's hit two quick threes. He, he looks like he's got that kind of fire going. And, and you know who JP is as a player. And my thing is just like none of Xavier's players individually are so important at this point. I mean, maybe you could make the argument for Trayvon, but – they're mo- the most important player for Xavier at this point is who's hot, who's playing well that game. And so I don't think it's a situation where, okay, if JP ends up fouling out with 10 minutes left in the second half, it's not like, oh, man, we're not going to be, able to, sur- be right. able to survive without his defense. Now we're screwed. You know what I mean? Like you can make up for him not being on the court if you already have a lead. So I think that's maybe one of the big questions I have tactically from that game is, is that something maybe we see more going forward is stick with the odd hand and just play through it. Are they – it's weird because when they get into games like this, it seems like the ball stops and that they weren't moved. I mean, when X's offense and we had seen it over the past couple games where they, their shooting percentages were coming up where the ball was moving and it looked like last year and we talked about it here and then they get into this and, and it kind of, once they got cold, it was almost like it went into isolation and guys trying to do things by themselves and, and Ed trying to maybe force some stuff to try to get into the lane. And it didn't the, – the, the fluidity was gone. It didn't look like, you know, what we had seen developing from them 
you know, over the past couple games. Was it Max after the game, I think, that was the, the physical man-to-man switching defense? And, and playing Villanova is a pain in the ass. It is, no doubt. I mean, they play up under you. Yep. Um, they're aggressive. They, they, they hound you. It's very disruptive, but it just didn't look like the ball was moving as much. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's not something where they go into those games and this happens because if you look how they started the game, it yeah. was moving. They were shooting well. Um, I do think basically teams that play this style, which is you can switch everything, give Xavier's ball screen motion a lot of trouble because it makes it hard. They're not super. Interesting. They're not super athletes that can get into the lane off the dribble and, and break down guys one on one, except for Edmund, and that's why you see him take over in games like that and also try to do a lot more because he gives them that option of when they are not able to get into the lane off off the ball screens that he, he can maybe create something. Obviously it didn't work in this game because Villanova is really good. The biggest thing is if you don't hit shots, it's hard to get the ball moving and, and get a lot of fluidity on offense almost regardless. Um, the, the difference is I see what you're trying to do here. The difference between what you're saying is Xavier still runs their offense at a good pace. They're still pushing the ball up the floor. They were taking too quick of shots at times, still trying to play fast. Uh, in fact, they turned up the pace and tried to make Villanova play faster after they got down by a bunch. Um, but you're right. Like When they're not shooting well and then teams are switching them on defense – they don't move the ball as well, and they start to become, instead of guys driving to create for their teammates, they start to become guys driving to create for themselves, and they're just not good enough individually at beating guys off the dribble to do that, I don't think. Now, uh, Xavier does play Butler at Butler on Saturday. They have Creighton then on Monday. I mean, th- th- we've talked about this stretch being, I think before the end of the year, we talked about this being kind of a, a defining stretch. Um, is is it is it good that they're playing another tough game, or is this a, a part where if if – Tuesday leads into a bad Saturday, leads into a bad Monday, that this team then really has a bad confidence level going from that point forward. I genuinely believe with this group of guys, like a few years ago when you had that Samaje team, Matt Stainberg, yeah. Justin Martin, all those guys, I thought they were the time. And even with um, Mark and two especially, that group was very much so like when, Mental. when they get going – it's downhill, man. They'll roll right over you. And then when things went bad, all of a sudden it could go really bad for a while. This group of guys, I don't think like I don't think a loss registers on their radar. I don't think a bad shooting performance registers on their radar. And it's just they're all kind of just individual, self-confident guys. And at sometimes I think me and Brian Snow have talked about this on, on our Xavier podcast that we do. It hurts their sense of urgency. Like they don't seem to recognize when, hey, we're about to take a loss to a team we shouldn't or we're not shooting as well as we should. They kind of just say, like, we're, we're really good. Like if Trayvon Blewett walks into a room with LeBron James and Stephen Curry, he thinks he's the best player in that room. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. And same thing with Miles Davis and same thing with J.P. McCurran. And Edmonds getting to that point too because he's around those guys so much. Like they just don't look at it from that perspective. So I don't think they're like, Oh my God! We we lost to Villanova. Things are going to go south, and if they lose to Butler, I don't think it'll it'll compound the problems. So yeah. Now the, the the unfortunate part for Xavier not only going to Butler coming off this loss is Butler goes out to Creighton gets housed. So you got an angry Butler in Hinkle. You coming off a loss. It is a it's a it's a bad it's a bad mix on paper. But it's funny though. This is about almost the exact same position that this matchup was played under last year. Both teams coming off losses. Last year X lost to Nova ninety five sixty four played. Butler two days later without at, Edmund. at Hinkle without Edmund and Butler had just lost to Providence 71-68 so um, it's funny how this is kind of in that same spot and then Xavier went and blew out 88-69 in that game I think Xavier will win the one thing to look at is Trayvon Blewett obviously has been up and down with the shooting this year at Hinkle he has struggled the last two years which it's, it's hometown he's from Indianapolis right, yep, yep. Um, he's two for 11 from three in his two games at Hinkle so that'll be something I'm certainly watching if he starts off cold again Xavier's going to need to find some offense from from somewhere else and that hasn't been easy for them against good teams how did it how did incorporating miles back in go in your mind um i think it was about what we expected he played a few more minutes because it got out of hand and it kind of, the problem was once it got out of hand i felt like it almost didn't matter as much right. he was kind of just out there running and taking a couple shots one oh for five i mean it's what we expected right he's a not he's really a non-factor at this point but he was able to get on the court and play 13 minutes. He looks like he's in good shape, I thought, physically. Yeah, he didn't look fat. No, not at all. He looked. He like didn't he look was, like BJ Anya. No, he looked pretty trim. <laughs> so uh, that, I think it's right where we expected it to be. He's, he's, you can't rely on him at this point. If he hits a couple threes, it wouldn't be a shock. But he's just not going to be a huge factor until you get a few weeks into this. Um, Monday, uh, they do play Creighton. And, and again, that, that 
kind of the timing of it is 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 really odd because that's an afternoon game, um, literally basically forty eight hours after you would have would have played Butler, um, and they're coming off of obviously a, a, a terrific win over over the who, who over, did, over 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 Butler. Who do they have this weekend? Uh, Truman State. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, nice setup. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. Nice setup. All right. Nice setup. Uh, I, I was thinking like DePaul. Yeah. Or? Yeah. <laughs> Anybody better than Truman State? That was a, that was some clever scheduling right there, my man. Without question, it was pretty well done by Creighton. Somehow they no were doubt. Able to, uh, no doubt. That around the Big East office. Uh, I thought it was interesting the way they attacked Butler, though. When you look at sort of wh- how you want to beat this Butler team. They went after Shrabas. Yeah. And they said, that's the guy. We, we'll we double-team him make sure he doesn't beat us. And not just from a scoring standpoint. Well, but he's, not he's been the key. for the, I mean, really, yes. for them, he's been their best player. I mean, we, we've we talked about Tyler Lewis playing well. But they're running everything through Shrabas. I mean, he's... And that's what Jay Wright said after the game. I mean, I'm sorry, Jay Wright. That's what Doug McDermott said after the game was that... Uh, Doug McDermott. That's what Greg McDermott... Said after take, game, third take time, three. third time's a charm. Um, Doug might have said it too. He might have been watching on TV. Dougie buckets was Doug, like, yeah. man, you just got to take out Travis. He might have, but he said that they were, it wasn't so much just stopping him from scoring, but that, yeah. like you said, they're running the offense through him. He's able to create. They just wanted to get the ball out of his hands and make him uncomfortable. I mean, it's a great game plan, and it seemed to work. And the other thing is, uh, Kyrie Thomas has proven himself as one of the elite defenders in, in the Big East. I mean, he shut down Keelan Martin, did a really good job in that game. He's also, but like you think, you're guarding Keelan Martin one game, the game before that or two before that, he shut down Shamori Ponds. Yeah. A completely different yeah, type of player. It shows versatility, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so I think this is going to be really interesting. If the one last thing on that Creighton Butler game, no chance you are going into Century League Center and beating Creighton on Dollar Beer Night. <laughs> said like a said like a true Creighton Dollar, fan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> said like a Creighton Homer right there. Hack, exactly. Hack, right. hack Creighton fan. That's oh, right. Hack Creighton fan. Nerd. Eighteen thousand fans for a nine p.m. game that had dollar beers. You you ain't beating them in that. Wow, that's a buzzsaw. It was what, 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 what was it at half? Forty seven, twenty six, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they were up by twenty. I yeah, think. something like that. Yeah. What time did your flight leave to get back here yeah, this morning? I appreciate you getting back here from Omaha that quick. Hey, I was right behind the bench. Yeah. Oh, I saw. We saw you. I yeah. saw you. Okay. I mean, no, no question, because um, you, you are a not, not even a closet Creighton fan. No. I mean, I, I think I think we it's, I think he's been out it on the program. Yeah. It's, it's so good for the conference when Creighton's good. It just really is. Oh, no doubt. It's good for you. The too. fans are everywhere. And it's good for you too. I, I think. I mean, I mean you can't go it. anywhere without running into a Creighton fan. You really can't. I, I do want to talk about them for a second. They have a lot of really good parts. Rick really wants to talk about them. I know he does. Like, That's why I'm kind of throwing him another softball here. And the thing about what they did last night was they showed the defensive prowess. Right. Now the question is, can they do that away the road, from right. Century well, and, Center without and, their fans going nuts and a team shoot poorly? Butler's not exactly an offensive juggernaut. I mean, they're solid on offense. Yeah, they've been really efficient this year. Yeah. Um, I agree with what you're saying, and they didn't shoot well, obviously, right. in, that, well, house, and, and in you, that arena. You take out Keelan, and you keep the ball out of Travis's hands, there ain't a whole lot. I mean, they're efficient because those two are their two primary guys. Yeah. Um, you know, Bowman's been all right. They, they've... They've been okay at the rest of the guys, but those two are their main guys. Yeah, I think the others have been super in their role. But right. if you're able to shut down the two top guys, then I don't know the others are going to be good enough to beat you by themselves. That being said, no one else has really been able to shut down those right. two guys all that well. Right. So, uh, impressive performance, but again, I want to see them be able to replicate that defensive effort no, away way, no from home. No doubt, no doubt. But I do like their parts. I think they've got a lot of really good parts. Especially, well, especially well, when Watson's they start fun. shooting that ball from the outside because they have so many ways to beat you on the inside with Patton and with Foster yep. and, and, and with Mo Watson and throwing the lobs and everything else. There's so much to account for in the lane that they start hitting threes. You just get way too spread out and chasing the ball. All right, let's uh, move on to UC, which does have uh, arguably the, the, the biggest, one of the couple of biggest games they're going to play inside the league. They do play yep. at home against SMU. If you're listening to this on Thursday, they're playing the game on, on Thursday night. If you're listening on Friday, you already know what happened in this game, so we'll see how uh, how predictive you can be with this. What are a couple of keys for, for UC tonight? It's all, it's all about the glass. SMU is dominant. They're the number one rebounding team in the country. And right now in American Conference play, 44-24 edge. That, that's glass. crazy. I mean, it's it, that says a lot about them. It also says a lot about the rest of the league, too. To an extent, yeah. yeah but that uh, I mean, it, a twenty rebound margin is, is almost unbelievable. Impossible. It's yeah. almost impossible. You can do it for a game. Yeah, you don't do it for three or four games. Right. Um, the thing is, they're all six eight, six six to six eight. Um, yeah, Mick was talking about this last night on his radio show. Uh, they're two of their wings, Sterling Brown and and I forget the other one, but they were post players growing up. 
So they've got a rebounding mentality. Right. They look right. to go, and he, they'll send four to the offensive glass, which defensively you're just not accustomed to. Teams just don't do it. The only guy that gets back is the guy that shot the ball. Yeah, but I guess the one thing, though, for UC is, is one of the staples of, of the program has been defensive rebounding. Yeah, but, well, it's, a, it's, it, it's been better. In the zone, they struggled with it. And now that they're playing the switching man-to-man, right. they've been a lot better on the glass than they have been. I don't think they have to win the glass. But you can't let SMU kill you. Yeah, give up 20 second-chance points, 28, right. whatever number, pick a number of second-chance points you can't give up. SMU is grabbing 42.3% of their offensive points. That's, I mean, that's their that's offense. That's insane. Yeah, that's, that's throwing that's the ball up this thing to, it, to it, get it, the rebound. It really is. That's Bob Huggins' offense. I, that, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, that, that's an insane percentage. I, I just just looked it up. They're right. number one in the country in offensive rebound percentage, and it is. That's an absurd number. Yeah, so... I mean, if you can keep them at 32%, right. you're not going to keep them off the glass. Like, it's not going to happen. But if you can limit them, they don't – I mean, they, you know, the, the, when they've struggled, they don't have a point guard, which is, you know, they're playing positionless basketball, quote-unquote, right. which to me means we don't have a point guard. Semi right. um, Ojale has been fantastic, um, has been kind of a do-everything guy for them. It'll be interesting. I would guess you're going to see Gary Clark on Semi Ojale. I don't think you want Kyle Washington dealing with those problems. Um, and, and he might be a guy you might see a lot of Trey Scott if – they're having trouble containing them early. You might see Trey Scott on him. Um, they're, 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 they've got good shooters in the backcourt, um, but they're not sharp shooters. You know, Shake Milton can shoot. Sterling Brown can shoot. They've got some guys that can knock down shots, but they're not, you know, NBA-level marksmen. Yeah, they, um, played, they played some games in the 50s. Yeah, and that Memphis game they played. And that was New Year's, kind of oh, ugly. 50, and, was that 58, 54? Yeah, it was kind of ugly and slow pace. But uh, they don't, they, they're not a, you know, they're not playing up tempo like they were with Nick Moore. It's, it's, I'm guessing it's going to be a grinder if I had to forecast. Yeah, I, th- I think the point you bring up about semi, not all the way, Ojale, is um, you can't put Kyle on him because he draws too many fouls. Yeah. And Kyle will be on the bench right yeah. away. So I think that's absolutely a Gary Clark Trey Scott matchup and, and probably a lot of Trey Scott, right? Um, inside the league, and we talked about this even last week, there's there's a clear line of demarcation. It gets clearer and clearer, it seems, every single solitary night. Um, yeah, there, are, there are some really bad teams in this league. I mean, Tulane goes to South Florida. Tulane, we know, is awful. They handle South Florida by, what, 15, 16, something along those lines. Again, on the road. And that's where, that's where a game like tonight becomes so paramount for UC. Yes, Kenny. I mean, if you look from, from here, ECU, Temple, Tulane, USF, and Tulsa are their next five American games. Yeah. So bad. <laughs> You throw the shootout in there, but, uh, you know, after that, then you get UConn and Central Florida and SMU again, which that's a, a nice little three-game stretch. But the reality is you, you've got to get this SMU game. You you have to take care of this conference. You you have to put yourself in a position. And we've talked about it. If they came through this four-game start, 4-0, and right. they're in the driver's seat. They're in control. They've got wins over Houston on the road. On the road. They've Temple got a win over SMU, Temple on the road. They're in a good spot to where they can can dominate this conference, and they need to dominate this conference because it's 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 not good, brother. It's not good. Uh, and I, why is the I, – I, I guess I don't get it. I, I don't either. I, I know Tulane for a while talked even dropping basketball. Um, USF, for whatever reason. I mean, they've tried. I, I know, but – why is this league I don't so know. bad? I, I don't get – when the league started, it, it, the, the consensus was basketball should be pretty easy to, to build up. You had some brand names. You had Cincinnati and Memphis and UConn, and SMU was on the rise. And you, you, UConn arguably since 1990 is one of the top ten programs. I'm just they've got more titles than anybody. They've got three titles. Has to be. Yeah. You know, you, you, it felt like you had some marquee names at the top, and you should be able – they should be able to drag the teams at the bottom up and create a solid basketball league. And it hasn't happened. And, and Rick and I have talked about this a lot. They sold the Big East name, and I, I think that was a critical error because we're seeing it. It took a season or two for the new Big East 
to become the Big East. Again. <laughs> I mean, literally again. But it only took a season or two. And now everybody, it's the Big East. Like, it, it, it hasn't skipped a beat. And, and I think a, a big part of that, too, is it took a year or two for the national media to agree that this was the Big East yeah. again. Out on the road, though, that stuff tastes a little bit anyway. So when you're you're an assistant coach like Travis Dill Xavier pitching to a, a parent of a prospect, we're the Big East, and that parent thinks the Big yeah, East. Like right. he doesn't he doesn't go, oh well, wait, how what's reconference realignment? Where are we at? Like it's the Big East. You're right. The, the and when you go into a home and you say we're in the American, and they go. American what? The what? Can you can you name those teams for me? The American East. And, and like, the coach has to pull out his cell phone to look up the school list because yeah. he's not even real sure who's in the conference. Yeah. I mean, but see, it's true. We've talked about, and, and then like I think the schools too. It's like when you look at the top of the list, you think those schools all had a little cachet coming in by themselves. You would have thought, well, that team has some good history recently. They're yeah. going to be all right. Yeah, that team's going to be all right. Memphis and UC. It's and not like you talk like and, these, those teams were good in the fifties and sixties. And no, Larry Browns at SMU. Good. Like you right. felt like these teams might be able to put something together, but I guess just like they didn't make sense together and the brand didn't come together to where like you were able to pitch. Hey, look at this basketball conference that we have coming together. I think people probably just like I said, I don't, Get that. You know, I mean, you know, you know what it is for UC and UConn and, and Memphis. They, they recruit solo. I mean, they're recruiting individually. They're not recruiting the brand of the league. They, they don't have a brand of the league to sell. It, it it hurts you if you. I mean, especially when you're looking at kids that are have offers from the Big East, the ACC, the SEC, the well, Big Twelve. But, but I guess I back in the Conference USA days, did did Marquette? Have that? Did Charlotte have that? It was that? a did, different deal then. It wasn't. I mean, Larry Finch literally could get in a Cadillac, drive around Memphis, and that was his recruiting pitch. Well, yeah, and he was throwing money out the Cadillac. Well, well, and it's, it's a little bit. So, what are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> it was a different landscape back then. It wasn't. And, and let's, I mean, Huggins didn't have a ton of highly ranked kids. I mean, he, he turned. Kenyon into a star. He turned Logan into a star. But really, like Kenny Satterfield and Demar Johnson. Well, even, even, and the, even the Final Four team. They, they had nobody that right. was known. You know, well, he, Jones. Yeah. But I, but, they, but I know your point. Your point's right. Yeah. They, they weren't recruiting at the top of the sport. He just put together rosters right. that worked right. and that were talented. And I think you're able to do that, too. I talked about, I've talked about this with Xavier in the past when they were in the A-10, where you can take guys who maybe aren't quite as talented as the top guys. I'm thinking of, I mean, a David West ended up being really talented, but maybe even like a two Holloway type player. Doesn't have all the measurables. Um, maybe never would have had quite the career if he went to that highest level, but he starts at Xavier. He plays in the A-10 as a freshman, develops all that confidence of playing against right. guys and being better than him. And then when you get to the postseason and you're playing a big-time school, he thinks he's as good as, you know what I mean? Like right. You can develop that type of confidence even if you're not quite that talent by playing that league. So maybe you can get away with a little bit lesser recruits that fit your system a little more. Like I think VCU is a perfect example of yeah. a team who was but able they to jump up. They're getting some four stars. They are, they are, yeah. they are now, but I think if you look at, at Shaka Smart's yeah. system, it doesn't translate at Texas no. like it did at VCU, where you could implement this system with guys that maybe it, weren't quite as talented. Well, and get away with it in your league. I mean, that's the other part. You can get away with it in your league. I, you, this is, you, that's my point. Yeah, it, you're, playing, you're playing some dudes in the Big 12. Well, and I think you've got to give Mick a lot of credit because he changed – the way he, I mean, he obviously he couldn't recruit the way he was recruiting to the Big East anymore. But to get Jacob Evans and to get Gary Clark and Troy Copain and Jaron Cumberland now, um, and I think he, he's also changed his transfer philosophy with Kyle Washington, and, and you'll see Kane Broom next year um, to go out and get one of those type high end transfers. I think that's smart. You have to at this league. You have to. Mm -hmm. Um and, and even if it's I mean and they've done it two different ways. Kyle was a guy coming from the ACC because yeah, he wasn't from, playing enough. And Broom's coming from a place where he's scoring twenty five a game. Right. So he was on the you know, he was playing at a, at a league that was below right. where he should have been and he's stepping up. You have to keep an eye I don't think there's one specific way you're going and getting high major guys or you're going and getting guys that are that were recruited below where the, their talent level. Um you just have have to be creative because the league's not giving you a bump. I mean, it's just not. It's, well, it's, well, so then it, it begs the question. If, if that's the case, and it's probably going to be the case moving forward, at yeah. least in the, in the near future, how hard does UC really have to look non-league? And, and, and even if it's even if you're scheduling almost I mean, an 80% L, you have to at least give it a try. I, well, the problem is you, they can't get those guys to schedule you um, most of the time because, well, unless you're going to, unless you're going to be a buy team, because they're not going to come here. No, that's what, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. You're, you're, you're scheduling an 80% L, not 85% L. I don't know that. I don't know that you're going to see them. 
be a bye team. I, I, I like the formula that they've got where they play their, their holiday event, whatever it is, and then they have two really strong home, home games. And home. Uh, well, home and homes. Yeah, yeah two, four, four home and homes yeah. where two, two are at your place and two are on the yeah, road, one being the Xavier, Xavier game. Yeah, I forget that uh, Now, what I would maybe do is I would maybe add one into that mix and take the Xavier game and make it a, a one – well, make it the fifth. Right. Home right. and home. Right. So you're giving up maybe one home game every other year, but you're adding that one extra RPI game. Because um, here's the thing. I, 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 even if you lose it, and as long as I, – I don't think it kills you. Because here's the thing. You're right. You're not getting the bump in the league. I'll, I'll, I'll take this to the nth degree. I'm going to tell you, UC runs the table and beats Xavier. How high can they get? Three. Two, two, three. So they would be what? And I'm doing this on thirty and two as a three seed. Twenty nine and twenty nine and two as a three seed, and only because you get nothing out of your league. I mean, nothing. That, that, that's that's unfathomable. And, and I think uh, they'd probably be a two if they, they were twenty nine and two. They probably would. I mean, yeah. I mean, we're kind of throwing flipping a coin on this, but still. We're talking in hypotheticals here, obviously, but I think, like, you know, is UC going to be able to go out and schedule a home-and-home with Kansas or UK or someone like that easily? Heck no. I mean, that's not going to happen. But what you do is you go to those major conferences. You get the team that's middle of the Colorado who's going to finish, you know, who's going to be a top 40 team. Iowa State. They've done Iowa State. State. They've done Nebraska. They've done... NC State, I mean, And those games Butler, make sense. You, yeah. you just keep doing a couple more, as many of those as you can do. If you have to give up one extra, you know, buy game or something, maybe you do that to make more sense for you. But I think if, if, we, if we play this out, so, like, UC is clearly not getting out of the American in the next couple of years, at least, until we see another major round of some type of shakeup with the conferences. So basically what they have to do is turn this back into Conference USA. Yeah, they have to win the league. They have to win the league consistently and get into the tournament with a good seed consistently and show that they're a threat in the postseason. And then what will happen is they'll start recruiting at the top of their conference again. They'll recruit at a higher level, you know, sort of like Valparaiso is doing in the Horizon League yeah. right now, where they recruit at a completely different level than everyone underneath of them because they have that. Because they, they actually have a decent name. And people think, right. you know what, they're going to make the tournament and, and they're going to win their conference and I'll get a chance to go play. That's what you see needs to be for the American. Yeah. But I think the difficult part of that is UConn is still going to recruit at a different level. Yep. Because they've got three titles Mm -hmm. in recent history. Mm. And Memphis, as long as Tubby still recruits Memphis, is going to be able to get a different level of recruit than yeah, the rest I, of the I, American. Yeah, I, I don't even yeah, think, but, but look, that's the same way in Conference USA when you had Marquette and you had Memphis and you had Louisville. I mean, you, and those you had teams Char- and Charlotte even. Yeah. Those teams were recruited at a high level too. So it's, Louisville recruited at a high level. Marquette, yeah. I mean, it, oh, he's it, very it similar was, to UC. It was good. He's, yeah, yeah he's, he's, I mean, he struck gold with, with Dwayne Wade as well. I mean, he, that, that, yeah. was, that was the goal. And he got a transfer, Robert Jackson transferred from Mississippi State. So it was kind of a perfect storm to some degree. Well, yeah, but, but I mean, they had had big time years in the '80s too. Oh, like, no, let's not. No, let's not. Yeah, but yeah. we're talking when UC dominated Conference USA. I'm yeah. just saying, right now, I think you know, UC they need to be at the top of the conference. But there are a couple teams in there that have a, a, a recruiting bump or an edge that's kind of built in that UC doesn't have right now. They're they're going to have to beat those teams. I mean, you're going to have to do it. You, Mick should be able to beat Kevin Ollie. I agree. That, more that frequently, is, that is my thesis of this thing. Is he's going to have to <laughs> he's going to have to beat a couple coaches that are at his level and maybe or you know that have programs at his level, yeah. but but they need to dominate this conference for about three, four, five years in a row and get that thing moving. I think, and and they're in position to do that right now. I think, I think the roster is built really well. I think Mick's built this team and he's got it rolling this year. We see that. I think they are the dominant team in the conference right now, and they're built to do that going forward for the next few years. Yep. All right, let's look around around the country. Um, a little bit at, at each league. Um, there's, there's no question. UC is, is the team it looks like to beat in, in the American. Uh, That's SMU's right there. No but doubt. We'll I, find out tonight. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, the Big East, I think, based on on the fact that Villanova is not losing at home, they have the win at Creighton under their belt. Um, they could certainly take a loss at Xavier, but I think they're they are clearly the team in in that league as well. Especially with the way that they like Creighton played well in that game at Creighton. Yes, and Nova won by ten. Yes, so I, I think especially what you saw with Nova and Xavier the other night, 
Nova is clearly a step above that next tier of Xavier, Butler, and Creighton. Yeah. yeah. Um, Kentucky in the in the SEC, although they did get a scare a little bit the other night at, at Vandy. Um, yeah, but. Th- there's going to be a bump like that or two or three during the course of the of the conference when they go on the road to a Vandy, to a Florida. Florida's getting better, by the way. They are, I, the more right. I watched I just, them, I, the I, more I, I just didn't like them against Tennessee. I thought they played terrible. Agree, but I think he's doing a pretty good job with oh, that. No, I, they, oh, no, they, I agree they, with they that. They seem solid. When I, the more I watch them, the more I appreciate them. No, I, I agree with that. I think they're solid. I just And I think that certainly in that in that arena. In the O-Dome. They, yeah. they've, got a, they've got a legitimate chance, to, and especially if Kentucky goes in there undefeated in the league, yeah. um, you know, have beaten Kansas or something along those lines. Um, it, it'll be a crazy, crazy atmosphere. But Kentucky's obviously – nobody's going to come close to beating them at home. So Overwhelming favorite. No, no question about it. Keep going. I was going to uh, say you, – Pac-12, I think I, – I've got to go UCLA, but this one's a little bit more of a toss-up. I think Oregon's close. I like Oregon. I I I I I think for whatever we just we just don't see them enough. I mean, you just don't. I mean, you have to stay up late or there's just Rick not a lot doesn't of... sleep. He goes to bed at like six o'clock in the morning. I've yeah. watched both of those teams a lot, and and I, and I don't like. I don't think Oregon's a bad pick. I talked about them a couple of weeks ago, where I yeah, think they're a legit yeah. contender yeah. for the Final Four. Um, but if I got to go one of those two, I like UCLA to win the conference. I think it's really close. I, I would probably give a slight edge to UCLA, but Oregon's right there. And, and it's funny that the next two teams you would talk about with the Arizona and USC. And I think there's a, there's a line clear, oh, clear line. between the top two and, and those next two teams. Well, part of it for Arizona's injury. Yeah. They're still trying to get Alonzo Trier back. I, I think if, if, if you're looking at who finishes with the better record, Oregon's more likely to trip up a time or two than UCLA is. Okay. So I would, I mean, slight, slight edge to UCLA. Yeah, I kind of agree with you there. Uh, Big 12, I go. Kansas. I think it has to be Kansas, Kansas. until otherwise. Uh, Baylor's really good. I, and I, Baylor's really good. I don't think Baylor loses at home, and I don't think West Virginia loses at home. And I think and Kansas doesn't lose. It's a matter of how many how many of them, those guys can go on the road and win. Baylor obviously showed at West Virginia they weren't capable of doing that. West Virginia tripped up at Texas Tech. Um, Kansas probably is, is better suited to do to, to do, have more success on the road in that league. But um, I, I like all three of them. I really do. I think West Virginia is really good. I think all three of those teams are, like, I mean, definitely Elite Eight-type yeah. potential teams. And, and maybe all three of them are Final Four contenders. I, I'm never – I love s- the energy West Virginia Me plays Me too, with. but I'm fun. never sold on that style of winning consistently I, I, in the I, tournament. I, like, it's not that he can't because he's proven he can. Yeah, I, I just don't like because, betting on that. And, and, I, and I don't know this all the time because you're probably getting a ton of points off of live ball turnovers. How often it, can you get that – Against it, good teams. That's my thing. Is on like a neutral if one site. team decides they have a point guard that you can't turn over and you're not able – like, they don't score it well enough, I feel like, if they in the don't half get the court. Yeah. Right. They don't shoot it well enough. If they did, I would feel a lot more comfortable. I tell you what, it's a different – I mean, you can tell that this is something they've been doing for three years now. Mm-hmm. No doubt. It's a different monster it, than it was. They, they I mean, when they started it, they, there was times they were tentative in it, and there's times they weren't. And especially at home. I mean, I, I, I mean I, I, they I, just attack, 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 attack. I mean, the, Hugs just doesn't <laughs> call off the dogs, and he plays 13 dudes. Absolutely. Uh, there, there's 13 guys in the average nine plus minutes up to I think 25 or 20. Yeah. I don't think anybody plays over 26 minutes. No. Um, so he's rotating guys in and out. You, you watch that Baylor. Baylor turned it over 29 times. And if you watch some of those turnovers, it literally looked like a really they good high school head. team against a really bad high school team. They I mean, that's exactly what it looked like. Those turnovers weren't just, you know, a bad pass here. It well, was throwing and, and, away to guys that weren't even around. And Manu LeCompte's been playing pretty well. Yeah. Point guard. And, and it looks like, I mean, I have to imagine it gets to the point by into the first half, late in the first half, where it feels like they've got seven guys right, out there. Right. I mean, they're just all they're, – they're like all the same dude. They're all long, athletic. They, they, willing to gamble. Willing to gamble. And, and it's, it's – I mean, hats off to Hugs for just saying, you know what? What I was doing in this league at first wasn't working. Right. And I'm going to this, and I'm just, I'm just going to own it. I'm going to sit over here in my, my – like, like I said, we'll see if that translates to on the road. I mean, that, that's the part. They, at home, they the, the, the crowd swallows you. Yeah. They swallow you. The energy feeds off of both sides of it. Sometimes that doesn't take place, and especially, as you mentioned, on a neutral sometimes. But I really like them. I think they're really good. Big Ten, I think, is a little bit more debatable. I think Big I, Ten's not very good. I, no. I don't think so either. I think I would have said Wisconsin if you would have asked me this before they lost to Purdue 66-55. But now after the game, I think Purdue's probably the favorite to win. Yeah, Purdue's got the best player in the league, and they've got good talent around That's them. Say, they, they've got parts. And I mean, the only I'm not thing just I worry about, they've got other parts. They, they, they still have Matt Painter as coach. Yeah, and I don't love – like They've got Spike. Talk, they've got Spike. 
P.J. Thompson has become a really reliable, like he's a really good shooter. He doesn't turn the ball over at all. But I, like, I kind of wish they had a more dynamic point guard to make play. Because they, yeah. they can overwhelm you inside so well that it makes me feel like the reason they don't sometimes is because they don't have good enough guard play and distribution. If, and, and, if, if Tom Izzo was coaching that roster, they would be a favorite for the title. And speaking of which, Michigan State's starting to get its act together. They're starting to. Too. You might be right about the that Purdue thing. I mean, if you, if you put Izzo in, in, at the head of that team, we're talking about Michigan State can win the title. Purdue, rather. Like, per, Purdue's well, roster, yeah. Can, yeah, win Purdue's roster yeah. can win the title. I don't know if I agree with that, but I mean, I totally get your point on that. That becomes a lot more interesting if you say, hey, they have a really good coach. Right. <laughs> you, you are a lot more worried about Purdue. You are right about that. Hey, um, one other note real quick in the league. I'm sure you guys saw the, the, uh, the thing with, with Andrew Dockage. The walk on it with yeah. Michigan. I thought I thought it was played off pretty well. Just just how scared he looked when the police. Oh, they scared the crap out they, of him. They did. For those who didn't see, you can see it actually on local twelve dot com. But but basically, what they did is they a couple of campus police officers came into a team meeting, said, uh, can, and the best part was they said, uh, "Can we speak to an Andrew?" And he like shows it to the coach, like we can't pronounce this guy's last name. I think the copy even said Dakich, and he said no Dakich, and he said, uh, and the kid you, they pan the camera to the kid. Kid sits there like, "What in the world is this?" The teammates, because usually you get one that's. I, I thought I, I don't even know if they were in on it. I was. Assume they would have been, but there's nobody snickering, nobody laughing. They said we've had some reports that you've uh, you've you've been in some off our uh, on campus have some on campus issues, and he's like me. So can you come with us? And then they at that point the cop said come with us to go sign your scholarship papers. I just thought it was played off really well. I I, I like those things. Here I I feel this is awful because I watched that and and immediately like you're cynical. You just eat. My, my first reaction Because it was, did involve Creighton. My first reaction was like, ah, I'm getting a little tired of these. And immediately my first reaction was like, how cynical is that? Because I love the idea of anyone getting a scholarship, achieving their dream. Like, that's the coolest thing in the world, right? Right. But I, I, I just felt like, I guess, the viral videos. You've got so much stuff, hate in your heart. I, I really don't. And I felt bad about it immediately. But my initial reaction was like, I'm getting a little tired of these. See, he's just got hate. But you know what I'm not? The, the, the father or mom coming home from the military surprising someone at a game? Yes. Watch that every time. Yeah, Enjoy it every time, just as much as the first time. Unless the NFL charges you to do that. Yeah, that's a little worse. That's, that's a lot worse. It's a little different. Uh, so um, what what else do we have left I, here? We I, talked about the Big Ten. I, I think we, we, we come to the monster in the room. Yeah. Well, well here, real quick, if, if you even care, A-10, you've got who, – who do you got? No, Rhode you, Island. You've got go, Dayton or Rhode I, Island? I'm going VCU. VCU. I am. I don't like that. I, now I that Hassan Martin's back, I think it's Rhode Island. I got Dayton. I, I don't. This Rhode Island team, just from the beginning of the year, the most talented team clearly. Up roller coaster. I just don't think they have it together mentally, and they're on the same page. And I think Dayton with Archie will will find a way. I, they just seem like that. Who's their league? Well, they lost one league game. Who they lose to in the league? Yeah, you don't have to look. I don't know if you knew off the top of your head. They're three and one in the league. I know that. I, I make it a, a definite point not to watch A10 basketball I know, you, these you, days. You, you said it, you said if you still had to cover the A10, you wouldn't. All right, ACC. Then I'm, this is the There's by the far the most. I mean, I guess North Carolina. That's the team I've got. I've got North Carolina. I haven't seen Florida State enough. Um, they're the only team without a loss in the league. It's, it's Leonard Hamilton, who I'm not sure could coach me to tie my shoes, but um, they're good. I mean, they are legitimately good. They are, and for some reason, I just don't. They're, like, they're not even in my top three. Oh no, I, I don't think. I'm not going to tell you they're in mine either. I just have to bring them up because they are the only undefeated team still in the league. Yeah, I just don't see it. I mean, I, I think to me, it. I. I don't think Duke's going to be able to, like, at the end of the year, they might be able to win the conference tournament. Duke can't go on the road. They can't win the league. They can't go on the road. No, I don't think they But they're still so insanely talented. They're a a threat when they get to the tournament. Um, I mean, after that, like, Louisville, to me. I mean, Carolina lost to Tech. I mean, how do you do that? The problem with Louisville is you just never know which offense is going to show up. They're good enough offensively. I mean, some nights they're really good. When the three ball's falling, they're really good. 85 against Pitt. I mean, but, but there are other nights where they're, you know, three for 22 and they're terrible. So I, I don't think, I mean, I, it's gotta, I think it's gotta be Carolina. I mean, Virginia's not as good as they have been. They're still really good, but they're not as good. Here, here's the, here's the biggest question though, is how much with those teams beating each other up is going to cost them seed wise. I, I mean, what, what wins the league Four. Four losses, it, fourteen like, and four. I'd say that's about right. Maybe thirteen and five. Maybe even thirteen and five. Wow. Yeah, that's a good. Point. I mean, when Carolina goes and loses at Georgia Tech, that'll tell you on the road anywhere, yeah. anywhere in that league, you're in trouble. Well, I mean, Buzz is going to get more people in Blacksburg. Absolutely, without question. They're going to get so many teams in, but you're right. I wonder where the where the seeding is going to fall. You I still mean, you still think the ACC has got to have an elite seed in it? Yeah, but yeah, but I mean, it's going to be a five or six loss team. 
Yeah, but I mean, but even a five or six loss team in the ACC, I think, is going to end up with a, but, but a then, one or two but, seed. Somewhere. Well, but, yeah. but then how do you how do you judge the line of demarcation of who's better than say three teams wind up thirteen and five with almost an identical resume? How do you elevate one over the other or any of those over Oregon, UCLA? I mean, just, just right. take your pick of teams. Well, I mean, I think it's going to be what we've seen in the past. I mean, I think it's is, fun. I mean, I, I said this I think on Monday on a on a given Saturday. Because they're on all across the, the the board, there's not really a bad ACC game when you're flipping through. No. There's a good matchup, three uh, three different channels at the same time. Boston College has two ACC wins. Right, right. My guy Kai Bowman. I mean, Georgia Tech. Mark Godfrey's got an ACC win. He, uh, I, just, I, I want to do that just for you. I just want to do it just for you. Oh God, his his hard on for Mark Godfrey's a little weird. I know something happened there. Yeah. No, I, just happened the the guys, re- I think something happened on the recruiting trail. I think the guy's a fraud. He didn't pick up the tab one night, did he? I have never actually. I think, he stuck, I think he stuck you with the tab. I've never actually really talked to him on the recruiting trail. Okay, something. There's something you got to do that, Rick. I trust me. I'm. I know. I'm not sure what the deal is, but it's a little, little strange. Yeah, I think it's very strange. It's very strange. Hey, I do want to touch on NKU because we've 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 been really impressed with what they've done. Thirty-one to eight run. Very disappointing the other night. Up fifteen on Wisconsin Green Bay at Green Bay, and you even talked about it. It was kind of a pivotal game for Huge them because game. it Green Bay came in undefeated in the league. Um, not the Green Bay that we've seen that's been an NCAA tournament contender out of that league, but obviously if you get that win at their place, you suddenly are, you know, you hand them their first loss. You still only have the one loss, still very much in that area to finish maybe top three, top two or three in the league, and you still could, but just to be up 15 and then have it just melt away is disappointing. John John Brandon for a little bit there I think was forgetting that he was still coaching young players that were totally inexperienced, and then all of a sudden it just came back all in a quick rush to him. You lose a 15-point lead on the road against a team that's undefeated in your conference right. and at the top. And, I mean, what a chance for them to make a statement, and then they just completely lost it. And then they made a comeback, had a chance right. then at the end of the second half and, and got it close again and just couldn't quite pull it off. So I'm sure that that one makes him sick to a oh, stomach, no question. Sure. But, a, but a good learning experience for a young team. Oh, an incredible learning experience because they were better. I mean, yeah. clearly better. They took it to Green Bay for the first, what, 12 minutes of that game, whatever it yeah. was, and then just – saw it just all fall apart because because they were young. I mean, they didn't play with a lead well at all. They got completely out of sorts and quit playing, and it cost I mean, the sad part is you would have gone to 4-1. and one, You'd probably beat Milwaukee because they're not very good. Get to 5-1, and one, come back home. I mean, you're riding a pretty good wave if you win that basketball game. Instead, now you now you can't lose at Milwaukee because um, it would be a bad loss, and, and suddenly your kids start to have some confidence issues. So yeah. that, that was that was disappointing. They, they need LeVon Holland to be the guy right. in those games. He wasn't great in that one, and he's the one with the experience. He's the one with the high major pedigree. He's the guy that has to be the difference maker when they go on the road with, with this young group. Yep. All right, final take time, Chad. Brendel, don't make it about Mark Godfrey. I don't really have anything today. Okay. So Honestly. I, I've got a bad one, but I, I just want your guys' take on this. All right. um, I don't know. Did you see the Calipari dab in YOLO for the DeMarcus Cousins? Uh, I tried to avoid it, but I heard about it. So basically, Calipari had tweeted something out about Sunday. He had a full-pack Sunday practice and church, and then he was going to the Steelers game and getting in the locker room and everything else. And then, So he told his assistant to tweet, you only live once at the end of that. His assistant only had 140 characters. He tweeted YOLO. <laughs> Calipari, of course, he gets asked about everything that happens to right. him by the media there. So they asked him about, you know, you think you're hip or what? And he had to be explained what YOLO was. And then he found out his assistant had tweeted that out. So it was a big thing. So the next day he goes on Twitter. And because DeMarcus Cousins is trying to make the NBA All-Star game, right. trying to get the vote, he does a little viral video where he's dabbing and says, YOLO. And it's the most awkward old white guy thing ever. <laughs> and everyone's destroying him in national media. Um, that being said, so this is this is kind of my question here is, for head coaches, as long as it's not something negative like Petrino, you know, you wrecked your motorcycle with your mistress and all that. That you had hired. Yeah, some, something ridiculous like that. As long as it's something that's fun like this, where you're just getting made fun of for being corny, like Chris Max Call Me Maybe video yeah, right, a couple years right. ago, right? With his, with his uh, kid in the car. Right, where you're going to go viral, you're going to get attention. No recruit in the world is going to think you're cool, nor is it going to help you with any recruit in the world that you're currently recruiting to do this and get that type of attention. Is it a any publicity is good publicity type thing yeah. for college coaches in these situations? Yeah. I mean, it's corny, everybody, you know, but it, 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 Cal doesn't need it. But anytime you get your name out there, you get your name out there. 
I, I think that's what it is for Kyle, too. I think he's the master. At it. What he is really good at is not being corny most of the time. Most of the time, he's pretty naturally cool, and he has a good brand, yeah. and I think kids like him. This is one of those times where if you're recruiting a specific kid and they see you getting crushed on ESPN, it doesn't make them go, oh, I want to play for that guy. It makes you, oh, man, he's, he's a little corny. That being said, I think the long term, over the long term, it is still good because people are just, that's the coach that's on ESPN all the time. Right. You know, that's the coach I know about. It shows the human part of it, too, to some degree. And I think both, both, like both of those guys and other coaches who do these types of things are usually really good at that. Usually they have a good Twitter account, a good social media account. They're pretty fun loving. Um, it's just interesting because I see those things. And I know, like, assistant coaches will get so mad at their head coaches for doing things like yeah. that sometimes. You know, like, <laughs> they do answer for it on the yeah, road. It's like, dude, I got to talk to my kid tomorrow, and you just looked like a cornball on national <laughs> television. You're getting crushed on every blog. Like, so I, I just, it's always, it always makes me laugh. Like, how does that help your brand or hurt your brand as a recruiter when you're a head coach? You, you bro, I, I've got one now. Okay, good. Yeah, you all, I knew someone. Well, and it's not college basketball. Okay. But you brought up Boogie. Did you see what he did? Yesterday, day before. That he says he's going to drop a rap album if he or an R and B album. No, he. Um, they were asking him. The reporters in in Sacramento were asking him if he wants to come back to Sacramento, and he turned it around on him. And I guess there's two writers for the the main paper up there that are kind of anti boogie, and they always. Oh, I mean, he, he he got fined by the NBA for an incident with one of the writers. Like the columnist was Sacramento B, but I, uh, but yeah, there's no question. There's there's not a good relationship. He turned it around real quick. He said, "Do you want me here?" And put him on the spot and wouldn't let him out of it. Like, they turned around and people put the microphone in the face of the one reporter. Did they answer it? She, the first one, the lady kind of ducked away from it and, like, tried to get out of it. And then he turned to the second guy that works for the paper and asked him, Steve, do you want me here? Steve, do you want me here in Sacramento? How would you answer that, Rick? And, And he said no. A lot of conversation about potential contract extension for you this summer. Is this where you want to be, Sacramento? Yeah, I'm going to Sacramento. That's where I want to be. Y'all want me to be here? Hey, Lee. Hey, Lee, you want me to be here? Always have. Can't hear you. Say it a little louder. Did you say you always wanted to be here? I asked you, did you want me to be here? Yes or no? The spotlight's spotlight's on you. Yeah. Hello? No, uh, no come. Okay, we're Andy. Andy, would you like me to remain here? <laughs> this is that my phone. What I would say for me, I would say no. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, guess what? <laughs> guess what, people? I'm here. <laughs> but no, I was say, how would you how would you answer that? Uh, depends on who it was. If yeah. it was Marcus Cousins, I liked Marcus Cousins, so I'd be yeah, and got no problem with it. What, uh, well, but let me, I'll, I'll flip this. As, as a journalist, if you covered him on a daily basis and he was nothing but a pain in the rear end, well, here's the wasn't thing: wasn't cooperative. I, well, here's the thing about that though: I don't take myself nearly as serious as a lot of the journalists. Like we go down to Paul Brown, and I see these guys get mad yeah. when like when Vontez or when Geno Atkins jerks him around, won't talk to him, something like that. That stuff doesn't bother me. Like if you don't want to talk to me, you don't have anything interesting to say. Don't really care. Go on to the next guy. Like, yeah, no, no, I, and I, I'm, the, I'm the same way. But in a, in a columnist place where you're giving opinion, he got mad at an opinion that was written about him, which is his prerogative for sure. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I want him back either. I mean, if if if, if you know, S- secretly I might not want him back. But like, I don't think I'd ever get to the point where I'm upset enough with someone where I'm going to be like, no, I don't want you back. I'm going to be like, nah, I'm doing my job. You're doing your job. And I don't really care. I, I, I think I think, I think that's the right answer. That you attacked me. Like, honestly. yes, no, I think that's the right answer. And, I, I and like then that thank answer. you because I got 100 new Twitter followers off right. that day or whatever. Yeah, I mean, but he didn't attack him. He just he just turned, turned the it, he turned it around. Well, no, but he was saying in the past, Bush yeah. took exception to something he yeah. wrote in a column. Yeah, it, was, it was this year. Yeah, and so I, I would just be like, well, thank you, you get, thank you for giving publicity to my column. Basically, yeah. like I, if players got mad at me for something I'd write, I'd be happy about it. I mean, right? And I love Boogie for that. For just you know what you want to put me on the spot do i want to be here how about you you want me here people always say he's misunderstood boogie's misunderstood i don't think he's misunderstood at all i think he lets you know exactly where he stands at all times and i I think i think it makes people uncomfortable yeah i think he's really funny and i think he's actually very intelligent um that being said i don't i don't think he feels like he needs to control his emotions the way other people think think he doesn't feel like he needs to act the way you want him to act. i think there's some randy moss to him no question. Very, very individual. Just like I can do whatever I want because I'm good enough. And, yeah, and, and you're it, not going to stop me, right? So, and he, and he's kind of a, that freak of nature, like 
I think there's a lot of Randy Moss to him, actually. That you know, totally. the more that his personality comes out, totally agree. And it doesn't it doesn't bother me a whole lot. Like no. I don't have a big. I think that guy loves ball. I think he loves winning. I think he's there for his teammates. I don't think he's like a, a personality problem, really. I, no, I think just certain people in the sports media have an issue with him. Yeah. No, I mean that, but again, that's their that's their prerogative too. Yeah. And if it, if I'm him, I would ignore it. That, that's that, that would be my choice. That's he's not going to do that. That's not him. I, I'm, I'm with you though. Like if I'm the player, I'm certainly not doing that either. I don't. I don't do that either way. Like it just doesn't feel like to me. It doesn't feel like a good idea to cause yeah, that no, I, uproar I in a that. locker room like that. The whole the like the the NFL beat writers are the funniest man. You guys, you all get in there. You transcribe the stuff together. You share all the quotes because you're all writing the same damn story every day anyway. Because there's no good access in NFL locker there, rooms. There's not. It's ter- and, the access is terrible. And then you all get mad when someone doesn't talk. It's like who cares. He's gonna. You all get the same thing anyway. It's not like you're gonna get an exclusive, brother. You were just gonna have a gaggle at the locker. Take us, take us through the the Pac-Man outburst. Like he let the let the the people pull back the curtain. He warned you guys. Oh no, it was coming. No, I I, I walked up to him after the game because I, I I usually don't go into Marvin's post game press conference. I try to get in the locker room and get a couple things on my own before the gaggle does come. Um, and Marvin's getting transcribed anyway, and he's not very interesting, so it's a waste of my time to literally go in. Unless I have something specific that I don't think anybody's going to ask, I just don't go in. So I go in the locker room. So I went up, to, went up to Adam right away. I didn't even know. I, I just want to talk to him about what they did to shut down Pryor and basically shut down the passing game, what it meant to finally get a win, all that stuff. And he said, uh, said, let me, let me, let me, just give me a minute, let me take a shower, and then I'm coming out and putting on a show. I thought, okay. And sure enough, as soon as he came out of the shower, it was Pac-Man going live, and <laughs> off he went. There he was. He was he was pre-planned. So Garbage. Garbage. (laughs) That's another guy. Like, people think he's a jerk to the media. I've never had anything but great dealings with him in the media. No, I mean, honestly, there's there's days you walk up to him and say, you have a minute, and he says, not today. Okay, I'm good. I I never never have a problem. The only time I have a problem is if if something occurred in the game or um, on the field during a game that needs to be addressed and you don't address it, I, I have a problem with that. But most of the time, no, most of those guys, you know, if you don't want to talk on a, on a random Thursday to me, I don't care. That, that, that never bothers Dude, me. It's like people want to talk to Geno Atkins so bad. It's like, have you ever actually talked to Geno Atkins? Dude doesn't say anything. Well, it's become a running joke is the thing. Yeah, that's well, no, I know, but for gap. two years people were upset I, about it, I mean, the, the, there, I mean, there's been a couple of games where it, it was worth talking to him after he had a good game and, just, and he just doesn't want to do it. And I, I think that's silly, to be honest with you. Yeah, it is silly, but again, people think it's worth talking to him because he had a good game. But then you actually talk to him, he doesn't tell you anything. I don't even He's bother. not entertaining. I don't even bother. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it, it, but it, it's become a running joke. That that's what's made it funny over the last. It's, it's actually now become a running joke more than anything else. So there we go. Or it could be Brandon Phillips. You a fat mother. <laughs> that was that was interesting to say the least. To say Were you the there least. for that? I was not there for that. Uh, I know of that though. Yeah, I would love to. Have been. You're listening to the Inside the Bengals Locker Room podcast only on local12.com. <laughs> you should be a voiceover guy, Rick. Thank you. Maybe you can do that in Omaha. <laughs> I'll ask Creighton if they need a they, they PA, guy. PA, PA guy. PA guy. Oh, dude. Season pay, ticket. Pay, gig, pay gig, too. Yeah. Mo Watson for two. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. There you go. Brendel Thomas Moore might need a PA guy. I, I think it's right up your alley. Yeah. <laughs> All right, boys. We're out of here for today. We're back on Monday to recap the weekend to talk a little bit of, uh, even though the podcast probably won't be up by the time Xavier and Creighton play. Uh, well, yeah, it will be because we're going to do it Sunday night, aren't we? Yeah. But it'll be up on yeah. Monday morning. Yeah. So there we go. Our next podcast on Monday morning. Thanks for being with us. Listen to the podcast here on Local12.com, on BearcatJournal.com, and on MusketeerReport.com. Have a good one.